welcome to a brand new season of Vistamol Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and I am so glad to be joined, as always, by the Canadian, who's a really nice person, Logan Saunders. Evening. Evening. Hello, hello, hello. We are back, finally, after a six-month absence, and I think it's fair to say we're quite excited that this is back. V is the mall is back, and it's a season that they actually planned beforehand. Yay! Yay for forward planning rather than Columbia. And you can tell you can tell they planned it within about the first twenty seconds. I think it's fair to say a year on now that Columbia was not our favorite season, and we maybe slightly regret covering it as our first VSML season. <laughs> Yeah, because we just watched the Georgia one together without actually podcasting it, correct? Yeah. I, I said it at the time, it was always going to be difficult that they were following up with um, a season after the Georgia one, which had the best opening episode of any television program that has existed, and Columbia wasn't our favourite. But, having said that, China looks like it's going to be amazing. That is not a sentence I've said before. So, we are back, and what better way to begin the season by kind of reintroducing ourselves. Logan, do you want to start? So, I am Logan Saunders. I am from Canada, and I have been following the mall since the first American season originally aired back in, will that be 2001, I think, the first U.S. season aired. Watched through the first five U.S. seasons at the same time. I would watch the Australian seasons as they were coming out, or not as they were coming out, I guess, shortly thereafter, right when I was in high school in the late 2000s. And then I keep kept hearing about, or I would read transcripts in 2001 or 2002, where there used to be a GeoCities website, which really dates me, that had written transcripts of all the different international malls from all the different uh, countries. And fun fact, the second season of the British Mall uh, filmed an episode about 20 minutes away from my house. So I am Michael, I live in England, I've been watching Mole since 2001 when the UK one first aired, back when Logan was getting it cancelled, and I've been watching V's to Mole since 2013 when I discovered the wonderful game show fansite Bothers Bar and their coverage of it, and we'll be talking a little bit about Bothers Bar later because they are running the suspect list again, and we are also doing our own first suspicions list. So if you've been watching social media over the past couple of days, you've seen that I posted a link to a Google form, you can fill it out and give us your first instinct suspicions on who it is after the first episode and i'll be keeping an eye on this during the season to see whether anyone has any good instincts also something worth mentioning is that whilst we're going to try and avoid some spoilers for all previous seasons this season is all about nostalgia and there are a few little tributes to previous seasons that i spotted there are a few little tributes that they actually actively acknowledge during the episode and I'm not going to go into any specifics for seasons that I've seen, but if you haven't seen some previous Vistamol seasons, just be a little bit careful is what I'm going to say, because I think some people are going to be discussing in more detail the things that I have spotted online. And with that, we should get into the episode, really. So we open with everyone describing their entrance, which actually was released on social media a few days ago, uh, to drum beats and climbing up steps at the Hangu Pass and Dutch Katie Wicks, as I will be calling her, aka Tina, is the first to appear. And knowing what we know about Vista Mall, do you agree with me that the children's chanting is definitely going to be either part of the reveal or a hint in the end? Because it did sound like they were chanting in English at some points. Yes, and the fact that they 
cut to groups of children doing activities numerous times throughout the episode is a strong indicator that it's going to tie into the finale. We had very random cutaways to the children. But they do like to do that sort of stuff and then just taunt us with it. I think that it's probably going to factor in because I was trying to kind of tune everything else out and just listen to the chanting to see if I could work out what they were trying to say. Or play it backwards. But there is a more obvious previous season reference to this, and it is one you haven't seen. So, there is a previous mole season that opened with everyone doing a challenge and then having to get somewhere, and they were brought up and told a statement about the country that they were in. And it turned out that the first words of this statement spelt out who the mole was going to be. So I'm going to mention all of these statements. I don't think they're doing this again, but I think it was an obvious reference to that clue. So, the Hangu Pass is where China began, because it is where Taoism was born. And Vidum is a game of deceit and lies, and you must be tactical to reach the finale, or alternatively be all right. And Dutch Katie Wicks is told that friendliness in words brings trust, and each person, upon their arrival, has to choose between a gate that may lead to wisdom or happiness. If you're CNN from last season, you get neither of those things. And uh, there are so many famous Dutch people on this season. We have a former footballer. We have TV presenters, food presenters, TV actors and actresses, a mandolin musician, A-list celebrities for the porcelain anniversary. Yeah, I wonder whether the porcelain anniversary is going to come into it, because they mentioned it in the intro, obviously. We had Rick mention it in the intro, but I'm not sure they went to China just because of that. I mean, China's a great location for them to go to, don't get me wrong. And Rick re-emphasises to Tina that Kenneth is maxed. And behind each gate is another choice. Tina chooses the Wisdom Gate, and she gets a table full of keys with different years on them. And I'm so disappointed they mentioned this later in the episode, because I knew what the connection was. They are all years with Vidum seasons. And behind the Wisdom Gate is the first ten seasons. So it's 1999, 2001 to 2003, and 2005 to 2010. And she picks the Japan Key 2010. Birdie is next, and he's told you can reach anything with twisted words, but by acting rightfully you can overshadow others. At which point I went, these are definitely clues. And he chooses happiness, and the keys are the other ten seasons, 2011 to 2020. And he chooses 2014, which was Hong Kong and Philippines. And Anita is up third, she's overwhelmed, and her quote is, react to an intelligence intelligently. And she also chooses happiness. And further into the temple are boxes with numbers on them, in each box is a note with Chinese characters. She did not take heed of Rick's advice. She did not. Spoilers for later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and she chooses the 2021, which, to be fair, if I'd done through that gate, I probably would have picked myself. Because that's the sort of thing, if we hadn't seen who picked the 2021, you would know for certain that it was probably going to be the mole. There's obviously going to be something more to those key picks. Because they do keep them later in the episode. Yeah, they actually hang on to those tags, yeah. Which makes me think it's going to be a massive hint to something. What that huge wall that all the players come across, was that designed specifically for the challenge, or were those... Because that, that would have been a huge build for, like, a ten-minute challenge. Yeah, that that's the thing, because that does obviously appear in the intro. And when the intro came out, everyone went, ooh, there's a clue there, because someone appears right after the Chinese character of a mole. 
But they won't have built that just for the challenge, which means that I'm assuming everyone's boxes Chinese character note had the Chinese character for mole in it somewhere. And I'm assuming it probably spelled out who the mole of that season was, which means we need to look at Anita's one and work out who it says. That would be my instinct on it. Don't know whether they would do something that obvious, but I think it probably is going to be something like that. Right, that it was all in Chinese. Yeah, that's my gut feeling on it. So if you're if you're a Dutch Chinese person, boy oh boy, do you do you have an advantage with with the first suspicions pool this season? Yeah, you do only have until eight thirty Dutch time on Saturday to do it, which is why I'm mentioning it today. Let's get the word out to every Chinatown in Holland. So Leone is up fourth, and she's told that the wise keep a distance, but in reality are up front. And she picks Wisdom, because her clue hinted at it, and the 2008 key, which I believe was Mexico. And she is really tall. Yeah, she is. But she's Dutch. What do you expect? I know, I know she's Dutch. I know that they already have, like, a, a an advantage, but just seeing her walk through the market with the short Chinese people was quite the, quite the feat. No pun intended. To be fair, having been to Beijing, she's probably actually average height. But just everyone's really small. Like we will get into this with the um, with the market challenge, but that challenge didn't shock me because I know how insane it is just walking around in China, especially in the populated areas. Yeah. And under the temple is the wall with symbols, and they have to match their Chinese characters with the ones on the wall. And they have ten minutes to match it and open a locked box, and there are a lot of locked boxes. Yeah, they did not cheap out on this challenge. No, I'm, I get the impression that I don't think a lot of people, including us, were that satisfied with the Columbia season. And I think that they were putting a lot of effort into this episode, especially to say, don't worry, we know what we're doing again. Yeah, because Columbia season was a bit sloppy with overall production value or giving us any information in the finale about what happened all season long. Did you get the vibe like I did that they might have been watching the Belgian version? Because this opening was properly cinematic. It re- did remind me of like how the if the if the Belgian mole were to film in China, that is how I would picture it. Yeah, I think so too. So Clace is next, and he's told that those who know don't speak; those who speak don't know. And he picks the happiness gate, and Buddy is the first to match his section. And he gets a green rice jelling. And we find out many more people are going to get rice jellings. The thing is, this is now the third season in a row in Vista Mall, where they've been trying desperately to get a first episode. Everyone gets an exemption. They're trying to make this into an Oprah Winfrey-style episode. However... It seems to be going more the way of the Georgia season, where they keep trying to give everyone an exemption, and everyone just goes, now we want money, rather than last year where everyone just goes, yeah, yeah, everyone could have exemptions. There's no harm in that. We'll just have a series of double eliminations. Apart from the fact that we then have the fun situation of, they just randomly introduce black exemptions again, just for funsies. When was the last black exemption? used uh it would have been in was it was one used in georgia one was found in georgia definitely but i can't remember whether it was used i want to lean towards a no of course it's been a couple of years in many reality tv 
seasons have aired since then, but I want to say that it wasn't. They've been on a bit of a bad run with the Black Exemption getting used, because in the 2017 one, it was completely ignored. It only appeared once. It appeared in a funfair uh, claw grabber machine, and nobody spotted it. There was just kind of a cutaway to it at one point. 2018, I think it was found and then not used. 2019, one didn't appear at all, because I'm assuming it was in the Yokas somewhere. And now, 2020, they just wanted to guarantee someone gets one. And have two people use one in the same episode. However, it then begs the question for me, do you think, knowing what you know about Belgian Mole, that the Mole was specifically told to go for the Black Exemption side? Actually, the one person who I suspect the most did play a Black Exemption this episode. Because I don't know. They could or couldn't. <laughs> I'm in two minds about it, because either the mole was told straight away to go for wisdom, because that would be the side that gets them black exemption, or, alternatively, the mole was told, do what you want, because we know someone's going to go for wisdom, and someone's probably going to play the black exemption. Because that's the strategy with the mole, too, is if you know someone else is going to do something to sabotage the group, you can just tag along with it, because it won't make any difference one way or the other. Or rather, you can play for the group when you know other people are sabotaging it and you can't earn money for the pod anyway. It's a tactic that every mole loves to use. Yeah, I'm wondering whether whether the mole was heavily suggested to go for the wisdom side, but not necessarily told to, because because let's be honest, as soon as a black exemption appears in an episode one where you know everyone else is going to use an exemption, I think you're probably going to end up playing it. Yeah. I agree. I was fully expecting them to play it, at least. So yeah, Tina is the first to earn herself a black exemption. And then Johan is next. He's told, without becoming smaller yourself, you can make others grow. And Nathan is told that it's more useful to light a candle to complain about the darkness. And then Anita gets herself a normal exemption. Leona gets a black one. And Clace gets himself a normal one as well. And then Yaika is told, the wise never strive for greatness. And in that way, they can live great things. Rob's told to avoid the difficulty by doing what's easy, and both he and Yaika choose wisdom. And then Malushka is told that the wise know themselves, but doesn't show themselves. And she picks 2012, and only the 2011, 2013, 2017, and 2018 keys are left on that side. And then Rob finds himself a black, uh, black Vrysterling, Nathan finds a normal one, Malushka finds something, but we don't know what. But given we know what side she was on, it's the normal exemption. And then we get the titles. And the episode title is Shielded. As in everyone was shielded from using their green exemption. And Johan is the only one who really wants to share information from the first challenge. And Anita is the first to realise that one of Tina and Voody lied about picking the Wisdom Gates, which is a false buddy. What's funny with Johan being the only one willing to share information is that to really up the ante, he should have just started reading aloud from his journal. Just to confuse the hell out of everybody on the first day. Volunteer every information about himself that could possibly come up on a quiz. Reveal all of his suspects and exactly how we answered every single question on a quiz. I had such fun yesterday watching Maeve, who does our survivor vlogs, watching Vidim for the first time. Because she was just sending messages to our group chat just going, Oh my god, Johan, you're an idiot. And it was just making me laugh so hard. Because she's never seen that archetype before on Vidim. I know that archetype very well. I know he's probably going to do quite well. 
but probably never find out who the mole is. Yeah, like get to fourth or fifth or something, be the comedic relief of the season. Yeah, he will either go out really early or really late, or maybe even make it to the finale and lose, because that's happened before. I feel bad for whoever he has volunteered as his choice for being the mole, that if he gets executed, then that person knows that they can't be suspected by anybody else anymore. It's like, well, Johan just said that he suspected me since day one. Now no one else is going to pick me, and my my game has just become a lot more difficult in order to win. Yeah, but he suspected Anita. <laughs> Which is hilarious, that he suspected the person who was executed first. Even if Anita hadn't gone this week, spoilers, like, she would have been my least suspicious, I think. Because there's no way you can fake her reaction when she came up those stairs. I think it it was pretty obvious pretty quickly that she was definitely playing and definitely kind of in the moment and not laser focused like a mole should be. No, she was very giddy for right from the first minute. Right from the right from the gate. It's understandable that she was that giddy. But also there was not a chance in hell with her first reaction that she was ever going to be the mole. Most older women on Vidim are giddy in general. Yeah, most older women are very fun on Vidim. And tend to go home quite early, as we have found out in quite a few seasons. Yeah. So, Johan reveals to Leone that he has an exemption, and she lies to him about what she got. And on day two, they get sent to a market in a now Vidim tradition, and they have 20 minutes to search the market for tablets with half notes on them. And they have to take a picture, as we find out, of the tablets, and combine them on a board to match them up and earn the money, and they have to take the photos using the mobile phones of everyone around them in the market. The rules are, they're not allowed to take the photos, and they couldn't take more than one photo, despite the tablets having a slideshow of note halves. And this is going to bring up something that I said to you a few days ago. We need to talk about the mole money. Because, at the end of last year, as a special treat for the fans for the porcelain season production said, we want you to design the mole notes. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. It's a mix of really good and children's drawings. Some of them are very bad. Some of them were actually designed by the kids who were playing the drums in this episode. I really wouldn't have been surprised. But also, (laughs) to add into that, the fact that there is no consistent theming of the money this time, so like last year was mole hosts, which were very well designed, the fact that there is no consistency means that this task is ten times harder for them. Because they don't even know what the notes are meant to look like. And knowing what the mole money looks like meant that I knew that there was at least one negative note in those slideshows. I definitely saw half of a minus hundred note in there. Because it's the red one. The actually not badly designed one. And the mole wasn't able to trick people into get into taking pictures of that one. A picture of that one. Not that we're aware of. But adding into that, when you get a challenge like this, the mole's best tactic is to create chaos and just send everyone running in every direction. Because the only way to win all of the money, which is €2,500 in this challenge, is to find the two halves of the 250 note, which is the only one that would actually pass for another season's mole money, and make sure that you just keep taking pictures of those halves. That is the only way to make all of the money in this challenge. Because you could only have 10 notes, and the highest note that was there was the 251. Every time. 
And they definitely didn't do that. Nope, somehow they managed to mess this up royally. And I just had one note, which was, this is a great challenge to introduce them to the insanity of China. Because even as Rick is introducing the challenge, everyone around them is going, ooh, what's this? I'm going to record it with my phone, not even take pictures. Record it and put it on Weibo. (laughs) And talk about it with my friends on WeChat. (laughs) Where would you place yourself as the mole in this challenge? I wouldn't about pretending to gather people or just be really be with somebody else who was like as frantic as me or more frantic than me and just play off of that to ensure that the locals were as confused as possible and what notes or what pictures to take and have everyone just yelling over each other. And then somehow you end up taking 10 pictures of the same note, not following the rules. And then you have a worse start than the Columbia crew. So my thoughts on this is you either put yourself at the board because you can control what notes are there, and if they're doing a bit too well, you can just start swapping phones around. Or, alternatively, you try and go off with a Chinese person and take photos with their camera yourself, or make sure they take lots of photos themselves, or you just run around causing havoc and trying to, not even so discontent, but kind of make everyone get a bit frantic. The, th- the problem if you're up at the board, especially when it's only you and one other person, is that it's a lot more focus and a lot more scrutiny for all of your actions. It's much better to be just one of the other eight spread amongst the market because there's not as much uh, consistent accountability on you. It is, but if you as a mole immediately get a picture taken of a 250 note or whatever and then make sure that they take one more photo on that phone, that phone is then burned. And then you can just go up to the board and make sure no one else earns that much money. Do they call that a burner phone? doing hunted. The thing is, if you know that Rick is going to say at the end some of the phones had multiple pictures taken on them, that is your cover for that straight away, and then nothing else that is messed with the board gets mentioned. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Can you tell I'm already very much in a tunnel busy on the one person who was on the board all the time? (laughs) Yes. I just don't think it would be the smartest place to be for the first challenge. Might not be smart, but it is a fun way to sabotage. With Buddy and Johan. And one thing that I kind of thought of when we had the brief introductions, because the introductions to everyone were a lot shorter than normal. Usually we see a little VT of the person. I'm a TV presenter. I'm also a TV presenter. I'm also a TV presenter. Yeah, if we see them say, I'm a TV presenter, we usually see a clip of them on the TV program, or if they're an actor, we usually see them acting or... If you're a folk musician who, for some reason, keeps wearing denim overalls, you'd probably see him at a festival or something. Yeah, or if you're Niels, you're just living in a box outside of an apartment building in Amsterdam. Yeah. I mean, usually we would see that, but one question that kind of came up for me is, would the mole ever say that they could be a good mole? Because someone did say it in their in their intro, I think it was Leone, said, yeah, I could be a good mole. Yeah, just have this one guy who's all roided up, who gets picked to be the mole, and he's like, I'm going to be the best fucking mole of all time. No one's going to be a better than I of all time. If they pick me to be the mole, I'm going to sabotage the shit out of everything. <laughs> and then they're the mole, and everyone suspected them from day one. And Johan did nothing in this challenge. <laughs> 
he was there. He was entertaining the locals. He couldn't convince a woman to stay behind for three minutes instead of getting her pedicure. But he did nothing. I wonder if they were allowed to, like, if the the person was trying to leave with their phone, if they could just physically grab their arm and just hold them against the wall until time was up. Knowing what I know about China, I would guess that they would not do that in a million years, because they would get sent to prison camps. There is no way to mince my words there. They would get sent to a prison camp. That would be an interesting second challenge. The problem is, if it was Johan, he would probably think that it was the next challenge starting now and he just had to try and escape. Yeah, where's the key? Why isn't there a crane game here, guys? Guys, why is there nothing in this truck escape room container? Why are my glasses shattered on the floor? I can't see. Why are the glasses now shards now in my eyes? And one sabotage that we did see was that Leonie convinced her woman to keep taking pictures, even despite the one photo per person rule. And Yaika was suspicious. Yeah. Yaika, I think, was actually the most suspicious in this task because she had she tried playing it off that everyone else was sucking in terms of uh, creating chaos and franticness, but y- Yaiki, she was actually consistently uh, jumping in and cussing people out, which I think was the true cause of the chaos. So she is at the top of my suspect list because of that. So Nathan finds a tablet with two halves of fifty euro notes and tries to bring them both together. And one phone comes off the board because the owner needs it, and Johan has to contemplate whether he wants to go to a Chinese prison camp. And they obviously play this challenge incorrectly, because they should have done the two halves of a 250 and ignore everything else, and they earn a massive 150 euros out of a possible 2,500 for the pots, because a lot of the phones took multiple photos. All I could think was, when they got that prize money, was, wow, I think that's the smallest positive amount I've ever seen earned for a challenge. They'll never be able to top that. Hold my beer. (laughs) Hold my Heineken. And if you were going to put anyone in charge of the pots as treasurer, who would it be out of this group? Well, I would say if it's... I mean, if I had to avoid Johan, I guess my backup choice would have been Anita. Basically, it would have been anyone but Johan, I think. He's probably going to eat the money as a joke. Like, actually eat it. Really wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I forget it, brother. And then, yet again at lunch, the topic of the first challenge comes up, and who actually got what, and all that sort of stuff. And I think by that point, everyone was kind of working out that either it was black exemption, green exemption, or nothing. Why would you volunteer that you opened a box? There is no reason whatsoever to say you could open a box. It doesn't make sense. Or have nine people say they open up a box, and then the, and then the tenth person just comes up with the most preposterous story possible. Like everyone says, so I had a black exemption, green exemption, or there was nothing. And the one guy said, oh, I don't have any boxes, but I I, I found a few dogs and uh, and some ice cream. And then everyone's just thinking, what the hell is with this guy? Why is he on the season? We can't trust him at all. And then you find out that guy's name is Johan. I just don't understand why anyone would immediately volunteer that they could open a box. You just say, oh, I messed up. I wasn't able to open a box. It was a shame, really. Because you should never volunteer that information unless someone else was there when you opened your box. Yeah, everyone should have just played it cool. 
But it's funnier this way, though, when everyone is oversharing information. Oh, it's funnier, because then we get Black Exemption Ageddon at the end. But just as a player, there is no point in doing it. It's just stupid. <laughs> I guess people aren't playing their cards quite as close to their chest as they did last year. We're not going to get a repeat of Mural. So after lunch, they are taken to their third and final challenge for the episode, and they are trapped in pairs in the back of trucks and have to free themselves and repart the trucks to spell out the amount of money they will earn from the challenge. They have 20 minutes and a maximum of 2,100 euros to be earned. This is for, for saying, hey, on my second day in China, I was locked in the back of a truck. Typically, you don't get out of those situations unscathed. Now, ordinarily, when people say that, you then ask, have to ask, have you still got all of your internal organs? Did you wake up in an ice bath? And if your answer is no, then more than likely you got off lightly. Yeah. You're probably a spy. A saboteur of sorts. Is it really wise doing a, a game like The Mole in a country so paranoid as China? Yeah, like, can you imagine pitching this to the government to film the show in their country? So, okay, we're, we're a Dutch production crew. We're all we're going to bring ten people into your country to play this game, and one of them is secretly performing acts of espionage within your country. I swear we're not trying to do anything. And the response that they got off China was, yeah, yeah, that sounds kind of like every TV program over here as well. In fact, we have a spy in this room right now. As long as there's your double agent for us. I've gone into this before, but when I was in Beijing, it was, as Rick says in this episode, a very big culture shock for me. It did always feel like I was being watched. It never felt like we could really go anywhere freely. And it's the only place I've ever been like that. It was really very odd. But I mean, as a as a six five, very white dude, people were just coming up to us like in the markets or whatever and trying to sneakily take selfies with us and things. Did you tell them they were only allowed one picture and they could only uh, take a picture of half of you? I, I did require them to give me half a note every time they took a picture of me, yeah. And then you hang up their phone on the wall of the market stall? Yeah. <laughs> China is a very alien place, I think. So I kind of get the culture shock that they they got with, especially the market challenge. It kind of rang true with me. What did I say the biggest culture shock for me was... I guess probably Egypt was the biggest one for me because I, I didn't do a tour of Egypt. I actually like backpacked through the country, which had some yielded some very interesting experiences. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that conversation really ever came up for you. It was more me going, yeah, China was weird. <laughs> yeah. So in the first truck, it is Rob and Leone, and they have a lot of buttons, and they have to press all the buttons at the same time to release their key. Their truck has a zero on it. And Clayce and Tina are in one together and have lots of photos of all candidates. And they have to remove photos based on the categories. First is they have to remove any group photos. And then photos that feature yokers. Next is photos from tests, assignments of the water, and previous mole presenters. And if you don't know your previous mole presenters, you really should crib on them. Because Angela is a legend. And it was funny that though, who was it? It would have been Clay's? Who was like, who is this guy? And Tina had to tell, tell him, um, that's Carol. <laughs> See, I wonder with that category whether they included, like, the the guy who hosted Vidim Jr. years ago. 
who wasn't Art because they've done two junior seasons. If it was just Angela, Carol, Peter Yan, Art, and then Rick, it's not too bad. But if you then start adding in the weird spin-off-y ones... Anderson Cooper, <laughs> Grant Bowler's on the wall... To be fair, Anderson Cooper was already in there because Clay looks like him when he wears glasses. And do you see the way that Clay's r- ran in the beginning? <laughs> Along the wall, it's like, who runs like that? He's running like Luigi from Super Mario Brothers. He's the new Amanda Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, James! And in removing these photos, it spells out the numbers that they need to put in on the tablet to get out. But uniquely, their challenge will only allow them one attempt before they get locked out and lose all of their money. And that happened to them. Yeah. And most importantly, they are in the van with a one, which means that if they don't get there, the maximum that the team can earn will be 200 euros. At least it's more than the previous challenge. They didn't completely leave them to hang out to dry. And Yaika and Johan are in a truck with a jerry can full of water and pipes to move it into another pipe to release a duck. And they are in the van with a two. And Milushka and Nathan have four crane games. And she grabs a mole out of the first one, which is actually quite impressive because those things are hard. And they realise that the numbers of moles in each machine is their code. And Anita and Buddy are the final ones, and they have a seemingly empty cabin, and there is just a key hidden in there. It doesn't matter what they do, really, right? They just have the... Yeah, they just have a key. They have to yeah. just search for a key in a dark cabin, which is kind of a, a lame thing. But the interesting thing is the interference, because I'm assuming you thought the same thing I did when you were watching it. Like, why is there interference on this file? <laughs> Yeah. Was that intentional? Was that in the broadcast? Well, I found out now that that was intentional. Well, that's definitely a clue. Yeah, it's definitely a clue. The interference was apparently intentional. It's like Andy Kaufman. He's going to make everyone like think something's wrong with their computer or TV set. And our final introduction is to Milushka, and she says she's not a very social person, but she is obsessed with food. Oh, kidding, she's not a social person. We didn't learn who the hell she is till the end of the episode. And the first team to escape are Malushka and Nathan. I wrote down the number plates just to be safe, because A, this is the sort of thing that always comes up in the questions. And B, sometimes these are clues, but I don't think they're actually clues this time. But they are in the Euro cabin. So, without them escaping, the team would earn nothing regardless. So they were the most important one, and they were able to escape. You needed the Euro symbol. The implication for me is that it was deliberate that it was meant to be the crane game one, then the jerry can of water, then probably the the old photos, and then probably the key in the cabin, and then probably uh, the buttons. That's my, my suspicion on it, because I suspect it was probably meant to just kind of go Euro, then Euro 2, then Euro 2 1, then Euro 2 1 0, and then Euro 2 1 0. But obviously, there's no proof of that. Right. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and we kind of mentioned this when, when Belgium all did coffin escape rooms, but escape rooms are not very interesting to talk about. <laughs> Unless they're in a coffin. Unless they're in a coffin with people having a limited air supply, yeah. So, time runs out, 
and they have only three trucks parts and earn a huge 20 euros for the pot given them a total of 20 euros out of 2100 and an episode total of 170 euros of a possible 4600 that'd be less than one percent of what they could potentially win for the challenge right which has to be a that's got to be a record yeah it was very impressive and they are warned by rick that the next morning will be the first test and execution you got to play hard for those 170 euros and I can buy you, like, five nights at a hotel. Where are you staying? Or, no, this is this is Holland. This is Amsterdam. That gets you two nights at a hotel. So the two major sabotages that I can see in this challenge were Johan parking in the wrong space, because he's an idiot, and either Clay or Tina removing too many photos because that one all you really need to do is remove a couple of extra photos and that is done it's unwinnable yeah after you remove a few photos yeah because that number that you see completely changes in the gaps it would have been funnier if they switched out the trucks whoever was in the two and the zero spot if those two trucks had switched so they just won two euros yeah i, I wonder how they would have dealt with that would they have rounded it up? Because they, the minimum note they have is 10. I don't know. I think Rick just hands them out like a couple of chocolates or something. They don't have a note lower than 10, as far as I'm aware. Rick's probably like, here's this, here's this Toberone. That's her two euros. So, it is now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least has to go home, except for the mole who never goes home. And Buddy's lie is outed? Because Tina and Leonie have made an alliance or a coalition. So they know that Buddy is not to be trusted. He's not your Buddy guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Rob says that you don't want to be the first to go home. Anita says it is Russian roulette and no one has a clue. I think Rob is playing for laser tattoo laser removal surgery. Do you see how many tattoos that guy has? Yeah. And every time he wears something different, you see a new one. Yeah. It's like a it's like the picture challenge in the truck. Depending on how the way he uh, wears his layers of clothing, the more of the image you get to see. And he's a banjo player. A Dutch banjo player. Maybe the final clue for Rob is that at Vondel Park he'll take his shirt off or something and it'll say the mole twenty twenty at the back. A tramp stamp. And then he'll play a banjo followed by a kazoo. That's apparently what a banjo and a kazoo sound like. Yeah. Gulp? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Leona says you have to use your gut and keep thinking, and she suspects Tina, Anita, Johan, and Buddy. And Buddy suspects Leone because she didn't know how to put a screw in, and he plays his exemption just to be safe. Anita suspects Milushka, Tina, and Rob, and she plays her exemption. Tina doesn't suspect Nathan or Yaika, and Johan could be the mole, but is chaotic. Johan suspects Anita, and he plays his exemption. Yaika suspects Buddy and Anita, and she considers playing the black exemption, but we don't find out whether she does yet. Milushka's gut feeling is Nathan, because he doesn't write anything down. She plays an exemption. Nathan suspects a woman, primarily Tina, and he plays an exemption. I'm sounding like a broken record now. Clay suspects Tina, because she locked the tablet out, and he plays an exemption. And the results... Rick reveals that a black exemption was played, 
but we find out that it was by Leone and Yaika, both played theirs, and everyone is level again, and someone will be going home. And Nathan gets a green screen, as do Leone, Buddy, and Tina, before Anita is the first to leave. I like how they have, when they do the confessionals at the end of the first episode, where they say, oh yeah, Anita really held this group together in the whole two days that we knew her. Or, man, look at this montage. You get to see her jump out of a truck and walk through a gate. Everyone got to really connect with Anita on a personal level in those 48 hours where they also had to get to know eight other strangers equally. And that's being generous with that time because they still have to record their confessionals and play these games. Like, I remember in school where some people in my class in elementary school, there'd only be like 20 of us or so in class. And there's still kids who don't know some of each other's names after the first couple of weeks. So in a group of 10 with Rick and producers and being in the middle of Chinese markets, like how, how well do you actually get to know the other nine players within those two days? Especially when you're sequestered in hotel rooms too overnight. I mean, the first test and execution is always difficult because if someone goes home, which production seems to try and not make happen, but if someone goes home, you really don't know them. And it has been said on Dutch Mall before when they've got to the reunion, like, one of the first boots went, I've just been watching from home. It's been really weird for me being here because it's been like being in my TV. I don't even kind of remember being on the show because I went home that early. Yeah. Like, what what was in Anita's montage? I'm trying to trying to see if I actually wrote down her montage. I think it was her crying and jumping out of the truck. I don't think we really had anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you remember, there was this one TV, American TV show about 10 years ago that did, like, a parody, where they had a bunch of comedians, and each week they parodied a different reality show until they got a winner. And they did, like... Big Brother, I think, the first week. They did a parody of Big Brother, and they decided to have, like, a surprise eviction within, like, the first ten minutes as a joke. And they're like, they they announced who was evicted by so many votes, and the host, or it was somebody that you didn't even really see on camera. They were just suddenly evicted and leaving. And the host is like, do we even have enough for a montage of this person? And they play the montage, and it's him just getting up out of the chair and leaving to be evicted. That's what it's like with these first mole evictions. She is basically the random American comedian who we never saw. Yeah. It'd be like if you gave Jonathan and Wanda like a, like a, their own montage of everything they did upon their exit, like halfway into the first episode of Survivor Palau, or Melissa McNulty in Survivor Fiji, like, I know what they're trying to go for to have each player have their own exit, but if they're exiting in episode one and there was only two days of filming, how how much material can you have really? Well, yeah, but at least they did her, at least they tried. (laughs) Yeah. I, I know they have to give her something, but it's just hilarious. Like it was less than 48 hours into the game. You probably know more about the random Chinese people in the markets than you do about Anita. So everyone cries that she's gone home, and Yaika says that she <laughs> believed Tina and Buddy when they both said they had nothing, so she played her black exemption out of fairness, not realising that, you know, Buddy played his exemption, Tina definitely didn't, and both her and Rob still have black exemptions. What a mess. And Anita says that she would have felt terrible if anyone else had gone first, so she's glad it was her. 
At least it wasn't like, who was it? Ava? Was that her name? Everyone thought she was the mole, and then she's like, you know what? I probably could have won this game, but I kind of quit. And next time, there is diffusing some fireworks, Chinese taxis, and mopeds. And interestingly, I spotted that there is a diary of a loser on the website now. So every time someone loses, there's going to be a diary from them. And is it just a picture of CNN on the front of the diary? Yes. So what were your thoughts on the first episode? Much better start than the Columbia one. And I don't know how this group is going to get along together in terms of entertainment value, but I am optimistic. And one other thing I will add is that for all the grief that we kind of gave Rick last time, he's much better in this premiere. Oh, he is so much better. He's sort of settled he's into mysterious. the world now. Yeah, he's kind of found his his groove, I guess. Which is yeah. good, because obviously, I like Rick. <laughs> I think he's very nice, he was very good at the finale, and I'm very glad that he's much better now. So, two last bits of housekeeping. Let's go for the predictions pool. Okay. So following the premiere, me, Logan, and last year's winner, Michelle, because Michelle did manage to somehow pick last year's mole, which was a great situation for me being stood in the audience at Vonderpark going, oh my god, Michelle's won, what the hell. So, following the premiere, me, Michelle, and Logan all filled in a form listing the cast from most to least suspicious. Michelle was guaranteed her first pick as Vidum winner last year. Logan would get his first, unless Michelle's matched with him, because he won the Belgian one last year, which we don't need to mention. And then it would be me, and so on and so forth, until we all had three people on our team. And the person whose team contains them all on finale night, which is March 14th, will be crowned the winner. And here's the bit that Logan Saunders doesn't know. They will win a trophy. A trophy? There is a trophy. Who's... Who do you think's buying it? You? Yes, obviously. (laughs) So if you win, you're going to buy yourself a trophy. Yeah, that could actually be the funniest situation, but yes, in theory. Um, I have had discussions over the past week or so with Anthony Williams going, do I buy an overly large trophy so that Logan has to carry it around Europe with him? But no, it, it's going to be a pocket-sized trophy. It's not massive. I'm not that much of a knob. <laughs> in the event that I win, I will obviously gloat incessantly until I lose in the Belgian one. It's like a fantasy football league. And... The big twist to our pool this year is that during the season, each person has the use of one Switch. In addition to being a fantastic video game console, hashtag not spawn, the Switch gives you the power to trade someone from one team with someone from another. There is no requirement for either of these teams that you're switching between to be your own, and it does not expire in the event that all of your team are eliminated. And that is deliberately worded because, let's be honest, I'm probably going to lose, and therefore I can wreak havoc with your two teams. It's like a blue shell or like the bombs in Mario Kart 64. Exactly. And switches can only be used until the episode in which the final five becomes the final four. If there's a final five non-elimination episode, switches are still valid until that final five is no more. And switches can only be used before an episode airs, which means the switch form will close down between 8.30pm in the Netherlands on a Saturday night and only reopen when the episode is subtitled. And this means that, in theory, someone could switch someone from their team with the person who's about to get eliminated. And I'm hoping that happens, because it will be hilarious. So, Michelle's first draft was Tina, then Logan picked Yaika, I picked Buddy, Michelle picked Milushka, Logan picked Clace, I picked Leone, 
Michelle picked Nathan, Logan picked Johan, which means I was left with Rob. And these will be available in graphic form by the time this episode comes out. I like my team. Yeah, I, I'm pleasantly surprised that I didn't get shafted with Johan, I'll be honest. Because I am fully expecting Johan to not be the mole. He's the one person I can pretty much guarantee is not the mole right now. He's, he got a lot of airtime. A lot of airtime. He did, because he's the comic relief. <laughs> so I was pleasantly surprised when I saw that he was not your last. <laughs> so, as of now, basically, the switches will be active, so if anyone wants to switch anyone out of their own team and move them and everything like that, they can do. And there will be an update each week until the switches are no more. And the final bit of housekeeping is, of course, that I will be at the finale on March 14th. I will more than likely be bringing the trophy with me just for funsies. But we are also launching a campaign today, which is to try and stop me having to stand in the crowd. So, if anyone knows anyone in production of Vidum, that could get me a VIP pass or anything like that, because I know it exists... That would be much appreciated. And if you are tweeting anyone to do with production, please include the hashtag MichaelNeedsVIP. Because Michael does need VIP. Michael was knackered after standing in Vondelpark for five and a half hours last time. And would have really rather not do that again. It's good that you get your steps in. Well, you don't, because I had to stand in the same spot without going to the toilet or eating or drinking, because I didn't want to lose my space. Because I was second row. And also, because I am going to be at the Vidim finale, there will be another, hopefully, diary of a Dutch small finale. Assuming I can get enough content, that will be an episode in the week of March 14th. So, have we got anything else to say? Nope. I think it's time for me to sneak in two hours of sleep before I teach. I think it is as well. So we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to our VS Tomorrow Recap. We'll be back every Wednesday afternoon for the rest of the season to recap everything. And don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are at RTV Warriors. Or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. We will see you next time. And don't forget, this week, fill in our first suspicions form, which will be linked everywhere. And you can get involved, and I will be recapping everyone's first suspicions lists over the next season. See you later. Peace out and just chill till the next episode.